Hello and welcome to Corkscrew Combos, another theme park podcast. My name's DJ. And my name is Chris. And we're here to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, opening dates, the theater, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get that disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. DJ, this weekend I'm getting back to basics for barbecue in my smoker. And do you know what that means? Oh, I'm back to basics. I guess you're not doing anything fancy per se. I mean, I think doing anything in a smoker is fancy, but maybe you're just doing a simple beef brisket with a simple brine, maybe a simple rub. Well, close. I'm going to be doing pork shoulder. So the finished product is going to be pulled pork on a sandwich, in tacos, maybe even in a chili later in the week. Uh, the options for uses for pulled pork are pretty much limitless once I make it, but it's going to be good to just get that picnic cut of pulled pork, uh, well, of pork shoulder that I'm going to uh, get that dry rub in. I got a lot of good choices that I'm going to be working with this weekend. I'm going to put it in the smoker, do its thing, and then it's going to be a full week of pulled pork dishes. I can only do it every couple of months because Whenever I cook pulled pork, it's all we eat for essentially a week because of how much meat we have to go through, DJ. Wow, I, I <laughs> that's crazy. I wish I could join you. Um, maybe we're closer to that. Uh, I got my second vaccine this week, so maybe we will mm. see each other very soon. Uh, that sounds incredible. Uh, anytime barbecue's mentioned, I always, I always, you know, my ears perk up a little bit. I'm always ready to give my little opinion, and I always do that on the show, I think, but, well, that sounds great. Well, it is something that I am really glad to get to get out there and be doing again. I continued to smoke things here and there throughout the winter, but I had to be all bundled up, had those hot hand packets in my pocket. And it's not it the just, same. Yeah, it wasn't the same. So I'm glad that it's springtime. Unfortunately, there is pollen in the air, so I will have to negotiate that. But I think <laughs> it's going to be worth the trouble because it's spring. We can get out there and enjoy ourselves before the bugs and humidity come. You know, tending a fire in a smoker when it's cold is not the picturesque thing that people think it is, I feel like. You imagine, oh, with the fireplace and, and feeling good. It's not quite that. Yeah, it's pretty pastoral, really, to just stoke a, a smoker fire because it's not like just building a fire, like you said, in a fireplace. It's a, a particular art, really, to get good smoke that you can cook with that'll impart <laughs> good flavor into the meat or whatever else you're smoking. So you're right. It is a, it is definitely an acquired skill. Well, it's, it's, it's something that I don't think I could do. I can barely start a bonfire, let alone do my own fireplace. Uh, so <laughs> I'll go with the Traeger. I'll go with the Traeger. In the words of Chef Gusteau from Ratatouille, anyone can cook. Now, the degree of how well I could cook, that's up for debate. Hey, as long as it's edible, I think that's a success. But you know, DJ, we are not here to talk about cookout convos, even though that is a spinoff idea that uh, we might be pursuing in the future, it seems like. But we're here to talk about corkscrews and really the roller coasters that have them and everything else around those coasters. That's what we're the here to talk about. The roller coaster variety of corkscrews, that's yes, right. Yes, yes. So this year, 2021, it's coming after a year that was, let's say, 
different from any other year previously in recent history, it seems like. But I feel like 2021, DJ, this could be the year in which we find ourselves at an actual real live theme park at some point during this year. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very, very strong probably. I just the spirit I've been seeing on social media from these different parks. Um, a lot of the influencers are back out there visiting these parks. They're saying good things. Um, the spirit around all of it is just one of optimism, one of excitement. And I think everyone's ready to um, really just have a great year. Um, 2020 never ended is what is what I said. It's we're still kind of feel like we're in 2020. But, you know, we're moving forward. And I, I think it is a bit of optimistic thinking, but I think we might be at a park very soon. I like the sound of that. And if you think about it, we are already in the fourth month of 2021. That might be a little hard to fathom sometimes. <laughs> I feel like we've just Winter been... Winter has come and gone. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> and here we are in spring. So that's, that's really special. And hopefully this springtime will create... A period of new growth, of new opportunity, not just for our jobs and for our lives, but for our podcast as well. You know, my partner and I went on a picnic this past weekend outside, and we were in the park that's right by our house. And the way that, I think it must have been 77 degrees, it might have been 80 at one point. And there was a south wind blowing about 20 miles an hour, and I looked around at the trees, and we were just kind of sitting there in silence. And I said the most romantic thing. I said, mm, this is theme park weather. I could just feel it. It's something about the south wind that you could just smell it in the air. I just, I was ready to get in a queue line. I was ready to go. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, there is something special about those opportunities when you get to visit on spring days, these weekends in the spring season, usually yes. for many theme parks, where... It's before the hot weather and the peak season gets there. Maybe the park has all the coasters and rides open, but they're still getting ready for their shows. So you're just there to ride and have a good time. And There's a small water attraction maybe open, not all of them. Yeah, and if you ride it, it will be a great folly that you will regret for the rest of your day. <laughs> uh, but spring ride days are something that I guess we're not really getting in its uh, previous form this year as well. But... There are a few points that we will be discussing about what's going on, about where spring ride days are sort of coming back in some form. So we will definitely have to discuss that later in the episode. The flowers are coming to life, The everything, the foliage, and it's time for these metal behemoths to come to life outside of Florida. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Florida, those metal behemoths are named Velocicoaster, and they're also getting ready to start, but from uh, birth instead of dormancy. I, I don't know where I'm there going go. with the metaphor, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah, we could fit a metamorphosis one in there, too, somehow. Metamorphosis, but for Migration, chrysalis, yeah, pick your word. Mm -hmm. Cocoon. Oh, well, DJ, this past month that we've had for Corkscrew Convos, I feel like... We said it in the last episode, but it's still true. We've been on a hot streak of episodes for this past month. We definitely have, and we've got some great things uh, coming in the future. But to tell you where we've been, I mean, we've had some great 
great guests on the show. We've had Chris Roberry from the National Roller Coaster Museum. Uh, we've also had uh, Coaster Bro from Coaster Cuzzies on the show as well. And we've also just been having some great topics we've been talking about. We talked about the Disneyland Forward, uh, what that truly means over at DisneylandForward.com, uh, trying to dispel the rumors and myth there. Um, so follow along and join us, but be sure to keep all hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the podcast at all times. That's right. Follow along, join us, but be ready because it's going to be pretty thrilling. Have we told the listeners we've both been coaster operators before? Uh, I don't think we've said it in as many words, but yes, that is true. It gave me, it gave me a, a little flashback saying that out loud. I, I like that. <laughs> Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed your ride. At this time, please pull up on the harness, exit to the left, and have a great day here at Corkscrew Convos. Row six. Oh, no. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, too, with operating, but uh, we Love both it. have operated coasters here and there. We have operated some other kinds of rides, too. Uh, it's definitely an interesting discipline, I will say, to operate a ride. Uh, maybe it'll be a good topic in a future episode about really what it means to be an operator of these amusement devices, because looking at other industries, the closest thing to it might be industrial work. There are a lot of similarities, a lot of similar mm -hmm. safety protocols that are followed, um, but I think that is something that we should explore in the future, DJ, so thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, a lot of the times even those ride operating boards are, you know, literally the same switches as you'd see on an industrial um, compactor or cutter or something you'd find on an assembly line. Very interesting. Yeah, good old Alan Bradley, but DJ... That's right. It is our 26th episode, so we are highlighting a roller coaster that opened in 1926. We got a big one this episode, DJ. Which one is it? Oh, well, I saw this one when I opened up the episode outline today, and I'm very excited. This is a ride that uh, perhaps has a little uh, infamous history around it. Definitely a famous history as well. Uh, we're talking about the Crystal Beach Cyclone, located in Crystal Beach in Ontario, our neighbors to the north in Canada. Uh, 96 feet tall, 3,000 feet long. That doesn't sound too intense, Chris. Well, think about it. For 1926, and before I forget, shout out to Canada. Hi, Canada. Yeah, shout out to Canada. But this was a ride that I don't think the statistics tell the full story. Yes, it was 96 feet tall. Yes, it was 3,000 feet long. Not necessarily record breakers in those metrics, but once you crest the lift hill, it's 40 seconds to the end of the ride, and it's 3,000 feet long. Hmm. Put, put that in your head, DJ, and think mm -hmm. about that for a moment. Yeah, I'm getting... Um, this sounds exactly like... Uh, like a lightning rod, outlaw run sort of statistic when you're talking about speed from lift to end of the ride. Um, I think those rides are actually a bit shorter than 3,000 feet long. That's, uh, that's a pretty fast ride. Uh, what was so interesting about it other than that it, it took so short of a time to get to the end? I mean, mm -hmm. is, was there, is it because we have little hills? Is it because there was more grease on the wheels? Why did it, why did it go through the course so fast? Well, it was built by Henry Traver, who was a legendary attractions designer and builder of the age, that is the 1920s and around there, 
But this was an incredible departure from what the coaster designs were previously. A lot of the coasters that we've covered have been out-and-back coasters or a more traditional use of the Cyclone-style layout when we think of the Coney Island, the Coney, the Coney Island Cyclone, which is still coming up in our um, discussions in the future pretty soon, actually. But this was an incredibly twisty, violent, intense ride that has become lore, that has become mythology about what this coaster was. It's sometimes the things that we hear about the Crystal Beach Cyclone, it's hard to pick out what is fact and what is fiction. I mean, yes, they had a nurse in the station to attend to riders after they were done riding, but uh, there's a lot more out there that makes you just say, wow, I wish I could have been there to at least see what this coaster did. You know, a little history uh, real quick. I think it was in the seventh grade. It's either the seventh or the eighth grade. Um, I got my first laptop. And uh, one of the only things I had on that laptop and one of the only things that could handle for some strange reason was the original No Limits 1 coaster hmm. simulator. And on No Limits, on one of the updates, somebody had made Crystal Beach Cyclone. And I was younger back then. I wasn't as entrenched into this industry as I am now. And I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, this is cool concept. Like, huh, maybe it's like a different take on the Coney Island Cyclone. Maybe they're just calling it something different. Then I did the research and found out Oh my gosh, this ride is from 1926, and it looks like a modern-day like GCI roller coaster. Yes. The way that it turns, it has that swooping drop that they're known for. Mm -hmm. And even if you look at GCI's logo right now, um, it looks like the Crystal Beach Cyclone almost. Yes, a lot of the products that GCI Great Coasters International offers, a lot of these products are aesthetically built on what wooden coasters looked like back in the day. Their Millennium Flyer trains are, um, the, the front of them, unless they're customized, they look a lot like the articulating trains back in the day as well. Uh, the designs, you, you hit it right on the head, DJ. It looks like modern GCI designs, but with 1920s building techniques and technology. And I think that is a mixture, a recipe for something very unique, to put it lightly. And I think you were talking about, you know, the, the nurse being there. The, the one thing I always remember is they would say some people would come back and they would pass out. They would literally faint. They couldn't handle the ride experience. And I think somewhere someone speculated that it, it hit over five Gs. I think I read somewhere that someone said it hit six Gs before. My word. That's like being <laughs> uh, a jet pilot. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you wonder like did they do on purpose and like you know six g's for a very short amount of time maybe that's not as big of a deal as we think it is uh i'm not a scientist or an engineer um but you know the the some of the more intense coasters i think of they're nowhere close to that i'm thinking of like intimidator 305 uh, some of the older b&ms like kraken makes me gray out sometimes some of the pretzel loops on something like the b&m flyers uh, even the premier Mr. Freeze rides kind of make me gray out a little bit. Uh, I cannot imagine six G's, if that's true. Who knows? I, unfortunately, the Crystal Beach Cyclone closed in 1946, so we will never know what it did to riders. The forces that were exerted 
along the course of this ride. But DJ, an interesting thing about the Crystal Beach Cyclone, this was an early example of a wooden coaster with wooden track, naturally, but it had steel supports. Yeah, so essentially a hybrid coaster, right? Yeah, it's a, a hybrid coaster in some ways. Uh, I don't know if it would hold up to the modern definition of a hybrid coaster, but it did have steel supports and wooden track. Um, this meant that there were higher initial construction costs in uh, procuring and assembling the materials for uh, initial construction, but the trade-off and why uh, some wooden coasters that are even built today use the same style of steel supports and wooden track is that it has lower long-term maintenance costs because there's uh, less frequent replacing of that support structure now that it's uh, steel. A few notable examples that come to mind are the Voyage at Holiday World and Invader at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. Those are two examples of these wooden coasters that have wooden track but steel supports. Yeah, and, and I, suppose, I suppose you're not uh, replacing an entire wooden beam, per se, on something like that. More so, there might be a bolt that needs to be replaced or something like that, whereas on some of these you know, more traditional wooden rides, the entire ledger holding up the drop might need to be replaced uh, on some different elements every mm. other year, depending on what the wear looks like there. But well, I wonder if if it, like, I wonder why they did that, if they knew back then. I mean, I, I always get into this place where I think people back so long ago, they had no knowledge, and that's just not true. I have to stop falling into that. They had, they had People have always had knowledge on different things. Obviously, they didn't have computers to help them out, but I wonder if they knew, okay, this is going to be lower maintenance if we do steel, and if they knew that maybe a ride as intense as this would have to have steel supports. What do you think about that? I think it's plausible. Uh, I think there's a lot of research that could be done about Harry Traver, this legend of the industry about 100 years ago now, uh, but we just don't know for sure. What we do have, though, is a series of quotes from people that have ridden the Crystal Beach Cyclone that have made their way to Wikipedia. So let me navigate to that <laughs> right now. Excellent. Very excited for this. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of uh, old dialect here, old old phrases, perhaps. Old chap. Oh, old hold your breath, come up. <laughs> Ah, yeah. See, we're riding the roller coaster. <laughs> that sort of thing. Okay, you're ready for the first one, DJ? I'm ready. Let's hear it. Yep. Okay, let me get into character. 1926. I'm in Ontario, Canada. Here we Deep go. Deep breath. Yep. You have to be extremely nice. You're in Canada. This is from Ed Cowley. The first couple of turns were knockouts. Then you got hit into that section, which is a figure eight, and that's where the people got stiff necks. You got thrown from one side of the car to the other so fast you didn't get a chance to prepare yourself. You must have been traveling at a tremendous speed through that figure eight. It was quite a blow, see? If you were riding with someone else, you'd get all mixed up with them, see? If you had a date, it could be quite fascinating. Hands up or not. Oof. Oh my gosh. Come on, Ed. Well, that was the quote. Well, it was quite a blow from hitting this element. <laughs> I bet it felt like you got the wind knocked out of you. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, here's another quote. This is from Irma Andrews, who piloted biplanes, according to Wikipedia, and later became a registered nurse, but she <laughs> rode the cyclone, and here is what she had to say. <laughs> wow. Here we go. Let me get back into it. Mm -hmm. 
I rode the cyclone a lot. I was quite used to thrilling rides, you know, ho-hum passe, but it was a real pisser. At one point, it looked like you were going to go right into the drink, because the ride was built on stilts, you see, and it jetted out of the lake, so you'd turn and swoop down right there. They had a nurse stationed at the end of it because people would come off sick or injured. One time, they put me in the seat with this boy who was riding alone, and by the time the ride was over, I was in that boy's lap, holding on to him for dear life with my face in his neck. I don't know how I could have ended up there. They snugged that bar right down tight, you see, on the laps, because they didn't want anyone to fall out. But the ride was so violent that I guess we got mixed in with each other. I was embarrassed and started to leave. But I guess the boy didn't mind any. He was laughing in a grinning seat. And by the time I'd extricated myself from his lap, he'd already given them another ticket and we were off again. <laughs> this is literally like a bench seat with a steel bar coming down on your lap. That's all it is. <laughs> um, and dear listener, I do apologize that my accent sort of faded. Uh, I'm not a great character actor sometimes. I got to work on my great. accent work. So I love that both Ed Cowley and Urban Andrews had the same exact voice. Well, I need to do more dialect work if I'm going to do that, but this was just a, a one-off bit. But that was those quotes from the Crystal Beach Cyclone in Crystal Beach, Ontario, a legendary wooden coaster opened in 1926, an incredible legend of the roller coaster history. Thank you, RCDB, for the information, and thank you, Wikipedia, for your unsourced information as well. I would highly encourage anyone listening, if that's you, dear listener, go to rcdb.com and look up the Crystal Beach Cyclone. You will see this thing and wonder how this existed in 1926. Yes, it is incredible. Corkscrew convos cleared for dispatch. Let's dive in. So, Chris, what's going on? Well, there are a few things going on, and to remind the listener, uh, goings-on could be things that we're thinking about, they could be current events that we'd like to discuss, maybe intriguing developments, juicy rumors, funny jokes, album reviews, trip reports, barbecue recipes, anything that we want to talk about. It's what is going on in our lives and around us and in the industry and in other industries, too. It's just what we want to talk about. So I think I see the, ghost stories on here, too. Well, yeah, I do have some random things in there, too, that we can throw in. in our <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah, in our, our future of where we want to take this episode. Of when we start we doing to, haunt reviews, we'll, we'll yeah. throw that in. Yeah, there's a, a lot of places that we could take this podcast, and that's because we built it to be something that's flexible. So the first thing that is going on is something about... A real lightsaber? DJ, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, and it's going to be a little difficult, Chris, because we really don't know much. Uh, there's a variety of articles uh, all around the, the mystical internet, the great uh, resource that it is. This specifically comes to us from Walt Disney World Today, great website. Make sure to check them out. Uh, but they're talking about what they call real, in quotes, real, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, real lightsabers revealed. Uh, there was an event today, today's April 8th, it's a Thursday, uh, there was an event called A Look Inside Disney Parks, and this is where the head of Disney Parks, Josh DeArmo, uh, walked uh, 
viewers through new announcements coming to the Disney parks. Uh, and we're going to get to uh, an interesting announcement later on uh, in the show about something else that was announced. Um, but for now, and I thought this would be a great thing to lead with, is this real lightsaber. Uh, supposedly, at the end of this digital event, um, Darmo pulls out what looks like to be an authentic lightsaber. What do we mean by authentic lightsaber? Well, if you're like me and you had lightsabers as a kid and you played with them, you always had the ability to, you know, have something that would light up and look like a sword and call it a lightsaber. Like sometimes there were these plastic rings that would come out. Uh, they might make a noise. Other times, uh, you know, the really nice ones that you see, the ones that cost hundreds of dollars, they're a fixed sort of blade, like a fluorescent tube, and the light itself just travels up. Uh, so it looks like a blade is coming out of the actual hilt. And if you're in the dark, it kind of looks cool. Uh, but supposedly, he pulled this thing out, and not only did the light happen, but also an actual blade, I guess, came out of it. I I'm speculating here because I haven't seen it, and I can't find the video anywhere. And so I'm only reporting what Walt Disney World today has already reported. Uh, but there's a huge speculation that this may be part of the Star Wars Hotel experience coming to Disney World. And Darmo did say at the end of all of this, after he pulled out this lightsaber, he said something like, don't worry, it, or like, something like, yes, it's real. Some sort of phrase like that. Some folks are thinking it's a rising plastic, similar to what we see with the kid toy lightsaber, where it's in sections and it just comes out and they've come up with a better way to do it. Uh, but honestly, we don't know for sure. There is huge speculation, though, that this large hotel experience coming to Disney World uh, will provide the guests with their own lightsaber, and it could be this. This might be what we're seeing. Otherwise, it's probably a merch sale or maybe some sort of new dark ride where some animatronics might possess these realer-looking lightsabers. We just don't know. Hmm. Well, I think that for the price that people will be paying for visiting this galactic star cruiser, they have to make something that is next level for every aspect of the experience. Uh, and I think that does include lightsabers as well. Uh, it's more than $200, it seems, to make your own lightsaber at Savi's workshop in Galaxy's Edge. I don't know how they're going to fit that into the experience in the Galactic Star Cruiser. Maybe they'll have a, a private show at Savi's Workshop where they can create this next level of a lightsaber, and then maybe they bring the regular people back in afterwards. Uh, we just don't know yet, but I do agree that this is very interesting to hear about, and maybe someday I'll get to go on that spaceship cruise thing that is the Galactic Star Cruiser. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading about it when they were talking about that originally. Like, they were saying how immersive it was going to be. Like, you could pilot the ship or do your own mission or something like that. Uh, it's going to be crazy. I definitely want to stay there. Soon enough, DJ. Soon enough. I, I feel it in our future. The Force tells me so. Chris, what story do you have for us today? Well, out of New Hampshire... Santa's Village is a, a nice little amusement park in New England, and they're offering free housing for college students that work at the park this summer. And this is coming mm. out of the local CBS affiliate out of Boston. They are offering full-time seasonal work at the park 
And as an added perk, they're going to be offering free housing and utilities for college students during the summer season that work at Santa's Village. So this is a big development for this smaller park to get into uh, because you look at many corporately owned regional parks, they already offer housing in many cases and transportation to and from the park with that housing and oftentimes enrichment activities, um, employee nights, barbecues, things like that, and trips to nearby attractions as ways to attract inexpensive workers in a relatively strong job market um, as it has been for much of the past decade. But now... The job market is not as strong, but interestingly, wages do continue to rise in some markets because of legislation on the state and local levels. And what does that mean? It means there is now more competition for these workers in different regions around the country in the United States. So we see Santa's Village doing what many other operators are also being forced to do now to find workers. They are really providing perks as a way to compete for workers with not only other parks, but other businesses that would hire these inexperienced workers that are maybe in college or uh, just out of high school. Um, Cedar Point, Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, Silverado City, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, Kings Island, and a ton of other parks all have some form of employee housing. And DJ, have you ever stayed in employee housing um, when you worked at a park? No, I've not. Um, plenty of friends that have experienced that. I will say, um, if I was back in college, uh, I definitely would have done this. Uh, this was a reason that I really did not uh, go somewhere else and work at a park, to be honest. Um, I knew it existed back then. Um, I think it just wasn't advertised as well. Um, but especially one that comes to mind was um, Cedar Point. When I found out that was something you could do, I was thinking, well, what did I do my whole summer of my <laughs> freshman year? Like, I, I think I worked at the, the bookstore in college, and I guess I met some people and learned some skills there, but I would have much rather went to Cedar Point for the summer, especially knowing that I'm going to get paid and, and live at the park, essentially. Obviously not on the park, but having that taken care of is such a huge burden off of someone's shoulders. Well, back in the day, if you want to mention Cedar Point specifically, up until uh, about two years ago, they did have the Cedars dorm, which was just across the street from Val Raven. <laughs> so you could wow. roll out of bed and <laughs> walk five minutes to your workplace wow. if you worked at Val Raven. Uh, okay. And a, that dorm, which was originally a hotel a hundred years ago, uh, has since been demolished for what oh. reason, we don't yet know. I think they did use the monster truck exhibit for that particular land as well. But there are definitely a lot of amusement parks that have this company housing that they offer as a major attractor to get people to work there. Because a lot of these parks are in... Um, high tourist markets that either don't have a great housing market and or it's impossible to find an affordable short-term lease in the markets where these parks are. So, yeah, yeah that's the why... The short-term these... lease is the big part of it. I'm glad you said that because, right. I mean, there's so many places... Who's going to give me an apartment for three months? Exactly. 
you might be able to find something if you scrape out, it's sort of like putting together a puzzle. If you look in a college town nearby <laughs> and try to do a sublet, but then there's uh -huh. a lot of documents involved and uh, it can be hit or miss. Just as with the employee housing as well and the quality of that, it can be hit or, hit or miss, but there's definitely more responsibility and more liability that you take on as an individual if you do something that's maybe a sublet compared to just going to employee housing and then living very close to the park, often having that transportation to and from work already set up and available to you, and that's your summer. It becomes a work experience for a lot of college students. It's sort of like a camp atmosphere, a summer camp atmosphere, yeah. where you're thrown into this environment with uh, some other people, maybe your age, maybe similar interests to you, and you're doing work, but you're also having a great time in a lot of cases, because you're in a new location, new surroundings, new friends, but also new responsibilities that maybe you haven't done before, if this is your first job that isn't working at an ice cream store or something like that. Uh, but now... Santa's Village is getting in on the action, and you love to see it. And we will, I'm certain we will see the first Facebook class of 2021 <laughs> housing some sort of Facebook group for all the people that are going to live there. I can just see that having it being a yearly thing. Oh, definitely. Maybe they'll even have yearbooks. I, I think that <laughs> some parks do that, and it's great to look at them in the past. That's really um, cool. And I, I, like I think, that. I'm trying to remember the park. They have had yearbooks for every season for decades. And I even came across one where I was thumbing through the yearbook and it was from the early 80s. And it was just incredible to look at and see. It's like a school yearbook, but the group pictures are for roller coasters instead of classes. Uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> That's cool. Mm. I love that. So, DJ, what else you got? Well, Santa Claus is coming to town. That's not true. But the Avengers Campus is opening June 5th at California Adventure. Now that was an excellent segue. Uh, this, I need to tell you this, Chris. I've not seen the first Avengers. I've only seen Age of Ultron, Civil War. Uh, we've seen the first Iron Man, the second Iron Man, the third Iron Man. I've seen Thor, Captain America, Doctor Strange. That's it. Oy vey, you've got a lot of watching to do, DJ. But I still think that from the pictures that we have now seen about Avengers Campus in Disney California Adventure, you, as a, let's say, casual fan of the property, will still think it's really cool. Because there's Spider-Man who's going to be swinging through the sky at, on uh, on some rope, and I don't really know how they're going to do it, but... We've seen little bits and pieces of what that animatronic is going to be like. And June 5th, it seems earlier than what I thought it would have been. What do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, I think you're right. I wonder if with the closure, they just had, they didn't have to work around people. They were able to just, okay, well, we're closed. Let's, let's really work on this and get it ready. Um, and also, I'm sure they want to, you know, get people over to California Adventure uh, this is a reason to go, especially if you're not from the area, uh, for sure. I mean, I would still love to go. I'm an average fan, probably below average. I mean, the movies are fine, 
Um, but I would just like to experience it. Like like you said, the Spider-Man animatronic, you know, it's one that everyone's been talking about, and I don't want to do any spoilers, but if you want to dive deeper, you know, do that at your own risk, but it's crazy what this thing is supposedly going to do. Um, and that hero, you know, doesn't belong to Disney technically, but they are allowed to use it for theme parks, so... That's really interesting that there's going to be a Spider-Man ride here, and also there's the Spider-Man ride at Islands of Adventure. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, but it's going to include the Guardians of the Galaxy ride that's already there, uh, as well as a new Doctor Strange-themed area, and of course plenty of interaction with live Marvel characters. And we saw this announcement from Deadline today when we were looking at news, and it does seem a bit early. Um, I'm curious of your thoughts on it. I would just say they probably had plenty of time to work on it, and they want to get it open as soon as they can. Well, I think that it is very likely that the land and all of its components and the ride, the Ant-Man-themed microbrewery slash restaurant, everything is ready. But to open it in early June, when the park is, the resort as a whole, is ramping up opening for late April, I think it's extremely likely that the resort will still be quick to sell out reservations through the rest of this summer, at least, because of the capacity restrictions. So it's very interesting that they're choosing to open Avengers Campus when they're not necessarily needing that extra factor in bringing people in. Unless, yeah. and I just thought about this, unless Avengers Campus opening up that new section of California Adventure will increase their capacity enough that they can sell that many more tickets daily to see some return early on. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Or there could be possibility, too, that, that maybe there is some insider information with the California government of saying if things are going as they are with vaccinations, maybe we'll see some of this stuff lifted. Who knows? That could be. Maybe they. I think that's on the bottom bottom scale of what could happen. I think yeah. what you're saying is more likely right. Well, I do look forward to seeing the coverage and the videos and the pictures of Avengers Campus coming to Disney California Adventure because I was there on the final day of A Bug's Land at Disney California Adventure. I rode Heimlich's Choo Choo Train. I rode. Um, the little bumper bugs. It was a good time. And as I walked out, I put my hand over my heart and I said, oh, I'm going to miss this place. But I hope that Marvel is something good at Disney California Adventure. And I think that will be the case. I've not seen a bug's life, by the way. Should we move on to the next topic? <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, DJ. It seems like we haven't <laughs> seen anything. But what else is opening now in early June? This is the one we've been waiting for, I think. We have the opening date, VelociCoaster. We know when it's opening. It is not 2022, as was reported on Universal's Twitter on April 1st. No, on April the 6th, I believe, on their Twitter, Universal announced opening June 10th, VelociCoaster. It's happening. It's going to be intense. Perhaps the most intense ride at Universal. Right up there with Hulk. Has to be. I mean, two different ride experiences. But I'm curious, uh, will we see a soft opening with this? Universal's known for soft opening their attractions, um, which becomes more of a real opening because it just sends people flocking. 
um, because it just spreads like wildfire whenever that happens. People are on social media. They say, oh, it's open. Uh, they've always got signage saying, oh, this experience isn't 100% what it should be. You may experience some glitches in sound or a different experience than what's intended. Um, but I think there's a high chance we will see a soft opening. What do you think about that, Chris? I think they have to. For something like a major new roller coaster to iron out the experience, to have the operators work with a steady stream of riders before the grand opening, they have to put people in the ride. They have to replicate the real operational experience to get people ready, because the only way to do that is to have people in those seats riding. That might be achieved through a team member event. It could be achieved through soft openings. If it does happen to be a soft opening or a technical rehearsal, it has to be some sort of lottery system through uh, a virtual queue in the Universal app. There's no way that they could run what we saw with the opening of Hagrid in 2019, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. an incredibly long line that people could get in and out of, but they were standing one in front of the other in front of the other. That just isn't in the cards right now. So I do think it has to be something that's going to be virtual and yeah. it's going to be essentially random about who gets mm -hmm. in even maybe mm -hmm. more so than um, the boarding groups for rise of the resistance at Disney's Hollywood studios, which do seem to be random as well when you try to get a boarding pass. Yeah. I, it, it harkens back to 2017. I was at universal and uh, Jimmy Fallon had not yet opened, but when I was there, they were doing a soft opening technical rehearsal, uh, and so they used their boarding system, which is also unique to that ride, too. That's something to remember. But I think it's definitely something they could do and wouldn't have much problem with it. Um, you're definitely right, though. You don't want the same issue as you have on Hag Ride with what they did have. Uh, but really, the only way to emulate a real Universal Orlando crowd, a Team Night's not going to do that. Um, really, you have to do some sort of real-life guest to really get that capacity down, get those operations how they should be, make sure everything's moving along efficiently and safely. I think they have to do it. Now, I am personally, and I want your thoughts on this, Chris, I'm a little disappointed with this ride about, especially its proximity to Hogsmeade. Um, you know, obviously you look across the pond, the lake that's there, you could see all the rides. I mean, you see Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket, then you're going to see Velocicoaster and Hulk, and then you see Hogwarts Castle. Like, okay, not very immersive. But when you are in Hogsmeade, when you're Diagon Alley, uh, it's very immersive uh, until you sort of leave those areas. But now it looks like, I believe in the back of the Leaky Cauldron or the Three Broomsticks, I three can't remember which one. Three Broomsticks. You've got two pieces of giant track of Velocicoaster right there with this LED train. I wonder if that takes folks out of the immersion there. Well, DJ, are you aware of the changes that they've made to that border wall along that seating for the three nope. broomsticks. Not at all. Not at all. Where previously there were, I guess, turret-style walls with um, these large gaps that you would look over to see vegetation, all that has been cleared out and they put a roller coaster in its place. So in these gaps, they have built up a an ivy addition to sort of block it and insulate that seating area more. 
and, uh, okay. and look at the design of Velocicoaster. The peak of it, the top hat, is on the other side of the Jurassic Park land. Right. Um, it's that section that has the very interesting looking helix with the reverse banked hill at the top and all of that. It looks amazing, but it's very close to the ground, especially when you look at the height of the other sections of the ride as we get further away from Hogsmeade. It's, they've clearly been working on sight lines to make sure that the experience is preserved in the Wizarding World. Well, that's good to hear. Um, I haven't been following the construction anymore after it's been completed. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to wait. Um, not going to watch the POV. You don't want to see what happens on the inside. Um, I've ruined the whole outside for myself, but uh, that's really good to hear. So I guess they're keeping some immersion. It'll be it'll be good. I guess I shouldn't doubt. I know they're smarter than that, and it sounds like they're saving that experience. So that's good to hear. Good to hear. But again, June 10th, Velocicoaster. Uh, can't make any promises if you go before that, but... If you do, you might get a soft opening. Who knows? No promises. You didn't hear it from us, but who knows? You said it. (laughs) (laughs) I literally have no idea. (laughs) I'm going off of the track record of myself and Jimmy Fallon, the ride, so (laughs) that's my litmus. (laughs) Well, DJ, let's get into our lightning round, which is a fast-paced segment in which we go over things that maybe we don't have a lot of information about or we don't have a lot to say about them or they could just be follow-ups to previous discussions that we've had. The first bit of lightning that we have is Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. They are having what they call Six Flags Power Hours at the park, which is going to be a separate ticketed nighttime event, a five-hour period to ride 12 coasters. Unfortunately, Not the new one, which is going to be New Jersey Devil, uh, but it will be Thursdays and Fridays from uh, some of these Thursdays and Fridays from April through to the end of May. I think it's, it's clearly just a way to get more people into the park under the current restrictions that they have in terms of capacity. Uh, Think about Disney and their holiday parties for Halloween and Christmas. They sell a ticket for the regular day experience and then... They clear out the park, and everyone who doesn't have the ticket for the nighttime experience has to leave. But then they let in more people that have just that nighttime ticket, and now they essentially have two park days worth of tickets in one day. So with Great Adventure working with this finite amount of tickets that that they can sell, it really makes sense that they are expanding their operations in this way, and thinking about the event... It's probably going to be less frills, maybe less staffing in different parts of the park because it's just the coasters, they're going to have some food, some music, free parking, that's a great plus, and surprises that they don't go into. What do you think about it, DJ? You know, I can't speculate on what surprises might be. Um, I'm thinking maybe some, maybe some drink locations might open up if they're allowed to do that in that state. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe... Hear me out on this. Maybe we'll see a soft opening of Jersey Devil. Mm. Uh, again, who knows? Probably not. Uh, that that would be a big surprise. Uh, probably not. Um, but, you know, it's definitely a coaster-focused event. I think it's both right up our alleys, something we would go to. I think the normal ticket is 30 bucks if you're not a season pass holder. I think a season pass holder, it's only a $10 ticket or something like that. Um 
might might even be five dollars. It was something astronomically low. Um, but it is great that they have the twelve coasters open. You've got you know you could ride the tallest ride in the world, King Dakar. You can ride El Toro, which is consistently ranked in the top five wooden roller coasters in the world. Sometimes top three. It's been number one many times. Um, you get to experience a stand-up. They've got Green Lantern there. Um, they've also got Nitro. A lot of people say that's one of their favorite B&Ms. Uh, really some great rides. And also, um, what is that ride called? Lost Mountain? They're doing like some sort of change to it. It's like Lost Mountain Remixed or something like that. Hmm. I can't okay. think of it. It's an indoor, it's an indoor ride. I want to say it's Lost Mountain. I know that's wrong. Skull Mountain? Skull Mountain, maybe. Or is that Texas? No, well, there, there have been probably... a few Skull Mountains and Six Flags parks, but if I Forgive had to me guess, for not knowing. No, it's fine. If I had to guess what these surprises would be, I'd think they'd be Looney Tunes characters walking around. I don't have my hopes up for it to be something wow amazing. I think it's just going to be uh, little surprises, little bits of Dance delight. party or something that yeah. pops up. Yeah, where they're going to yeah. have some of the Looney Tunes characters just come out for meet and greets or what have you. Uh, but it does sound like a good event. It's a creative way to get more tickets sold per day and really work around their capacity limits that they have right now. If I lived closer, I would probably be going. I'll say that. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's something I would I would definitely do. Could it be worth a flight out there? Maybe. I've never been to that park. I could ride all 12 rides, and I know crowds are going to be all 12 coasters. know that crowds will be pretty minimal. Maybe it's worth it. I don't know. Hmm. Well, heading over to the other coast of the United States, SeaWorld de San Diego is opening as a theme park for the first time in over a year on April 12th. And this is from the Times of San Diego. Doesn't look like Emperor, their new B&M dive coaster with that huge vertical drop and the wide trains and the sweeping maneuvers. It doesn't look like that's going to be open. But... This is a return to SeaWorld San Diego as a theme park, which is something that we haven't seen for a while. No, I don't think Emperor will be open. It doesn't look like it will be. They did mention Electric Eel, the call out there, San Diego's tallest and fastest roller coaster for now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's an interesting park. I've heard it's one of the more beautiful parks out there as far as just scenery and, and the vegetation. It's definitely in the top of just aesthetic in the sea world chain for sure yeah, it's right uh, they on had, the bay yeah and they they had been open as a zoo before this uh they were licensed zoo which in california they were allowed to be opened uh but you know that's a place i would love to go to i've heard the weather in san diego is literally some of the best weather year round um i know we both have a mutual friend out there um i'm sure they're excited that the park is opening up as an amusement park as an actual theme park Uh, So, you know, some good news to report as things are opening up. And one final piece of news I do want to talk about in the lightning round, we've also seen some full testing of Pantheon happening as well since our last uh, coaster podcast that we've done on Corkscrew Convos. We've seen full trains at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. We've seen these trains moving through the course, uh, people going to the park trying to get some sneak peeks of this Intamin launch coaster. Exciting stuff there as well. We're seeing some life in that coaster, and maybe it will open soon too. Who knows? Yeah, with Pantheon and all of the other new SeaWorld roller coasters, it's interesting to try to track what the progress is on them because... That's true. They're all yeah, like that, aren't they? You've got Iron Gwazi, you've got uh, Icebreaker. 
yet to open. Yeah, and Emperor and Pantheon. So it was originally, these were all for 2020. Then 2020 happened, so they were pushed to 2021. And then I think it was pushed to summer 2021. And now the official language, if I'm not mistaken, is anticipated opening of 2021. So they are putting up their... Uh, disclaimers now it seems like uh, about some of these or all of them maybe might not open this year. I don't know yet what will determine if we will see any or all of these coasters open. Of course, as a fan and someone that closely follows the industry, I'd love to see these coasters open as soon as possible, but there's a lot that goes into whether or not the coasters are ready and whether or not the parks are ready to operate an additional coaster with additional staffing and in all of these situations, additional restrictions that they will then be opening this new roller coaster under. So it's a lot to consider, but I do hope that we see some of these new coasters opening soon. And with that, it is time to hit the brakes, but we are not done yet, Chris. Oh, we're nowhere near being done. Except, listener, if you look at the uh, scrubbable timeline of this podcast, it's probably only a few minutes left, but that's just how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> I love that you can predict the future before you publish the episode, as if we're not going to go into an hour-long conversation. <laughs> well, who knows? We might. Uh, we just have to see if we have a tangent that has enough meat on the bone for us to do that. But DJ... <laughs> We hit the brakes, so let's talk about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email. These are ways that you can have a corkscrew conversation with us. We are Corkscrew Convos on Facebook. On Twitter, we are Corkscrew Convos. On Instagram, Corkscrew Convos. And on, G uh, on email, we are CorkscrewConvos at gmail.com. Wow, we made it really hard to remember all of those. Well, I do trust the listener to... Uh, take that responsibility, commit these to memory, and when the time comes that they have something to say, it be it a listener question or a comment or a complaint, any of those, they know how to get in contact with us. And for each of these different platforms, we do some things that are slightly different. On Twitter, occasionally I'll make a nice meme or interact with other people. It's a lot of fun people that just say funny things about roller coasters, and sometimes we retweet them. Uh, sometimes we say our own funny things, though. I won't, I won't get us out of that. On Instagram, we have some pretty pictures. Hopefully soon we'll have more pretty pictures that we can post on Instagram. And on Facebook, it might be a little more long-form sometimes. Sometimes it might be discussions that we try to start or articles that we come across. So really, there is a reason to follow the show on each of these platforms in addition to the service that you use to listen to this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what we really prefer, too, is if you have the time, I mean, you've made it to the end of this show, you haven't turned it off, you deserve that golden star, we're impressed with your thoroughness, we encourage you to follow us wherever you're listening to us on the podcast platform of your choice, wherever that might be. And specifically, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, 
We would love to have a five-star review from you on Apple. We would appreciate it. We'll read it out, give you a shout out on the show, but it really does help us. And what's really great about following us is having the ability to have us in your queue. You don't have to look for us. We're there. You're ready to listen to us when's most convenient for you. It really doesn't get much easier than that. Uh, so be sure to follow the show. We can no longer say subscribe. That language has gone uh, to the dust in 2021 moving forward. It's a new decade, uh, so we don't say subscribed anymore. But be sure to follow the show. And, of course, check us, check me out on Twitch, DJ Forefire. We're still going to get Chris on there at some point. Uh, we were on Planet Coaster last weekend, so maybe something will happen this weekend. And definitely look out for our Instagram specifically because I've been planning some things. I've been telling Chris about it, and I think we're going to have some new photos here pretty soon. Oh, it's going to be special. I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, the new content that we are going to be having rolling out. It's looking great prelim- preliminarily. Ooh, rolling and, out. Uh, I like that. Rolling out. Oh, yeah. Roller coaster. Pun unintended. Or was it? But until Ooh. next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>